Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. It's great to have you on board. Do-it-yourself investors now have access to more tools than ever before. And today we speak to Gary Stone of Share Wealth Systems on multi-strategy investing. We discuss what true diversification looks like. And we hear how Gary divides his own wealth creation portfolio. He speaks about his love for ETFs and why they're such an effective investment tool. We also hear Louise Bedford's Book of the Week on managing to hold your head high when other people ridicule you. Hear why Louise has learnt to say to doubters and detractors, you're probably right. And then down the track, let the money speak for itself. But first up, we have a quick look at the markets for the week ending the 16th of October with expert Forex trader Pete Armstrong. Pete Armstrong, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hello, thank you, Caroline. Pete, how did the US markets close last week? The U.S. markets actually started the week off with the view of a uh, interest rate hike becoming more and more unlikely. And we've seen that uh, on the back of this, it actually changed gears halfway through the week. On Thursday, we did see some stronger CPI data. That was the shining light of the market. and It did stem the sell-off in, in uh, the U.S. dollar, which uh, has consolidated and we'll be looking for cues for the next move. However, equity markets weren't as worried about the potential uh, stalling of an interest rate rise and it continued to rally. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how this week pans out. We're going to continue to be on the emotional roller coaster of if the Fed will or won't hike rates. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that US data. What about the Australian market? How did that look last week? Well, actually, the Australian data fared quite strong. And I found this quite surprising as the data that came in from China import and the CPI was weak, as was the Australian employment data. Yet the Australian stock market finished the week at highs. I believe this is on the back of the commodity bouts and also the risk environment that has been generated on the back of the US Fed potentially not raising rates this year. But this week, we will have to take cues from Monday's China GDP and then following Tuesday's RBA minutes, just to see how the RBA view the Australian economy. Pete, are there any patterns jumping out from the charts at the moment? 
Well, as a currency trader, I'll be keeping an eye on the euro versus the US dollar and the euro versus the great British pound. Both are trading in weekly triangle patterns after severe falls from last year to early this year. The consolidation has been painfully all year, but a breakdown of these patterns could start the beginnings of a much larger move. So I'll be stalking these for highly probable opportunities. <laughs> are there any other opportunities you're looking at at the moment, Pete? Well, as I mentioned with the with the US dollar versus the uh, euro and the euro versus the great british pound in these weekly triangle formations i'll actually be diving down into some shorter time frames to try and look for technical indications of the beginnings of a possible breakdown from a from a technical point of view i'll be using uh, some fundamentals to support my trade idea with the fact that the ecb is meeting this week on thursday and they could possibly deliver more quantitative easing for the european market they're trying to get their economy going so they may have to do some more bond buying if that's the case and we do get that the euro will go some further selling pressure so that only supports my trading idea we'll have to wait and see if it comes off pete armstrong thank you very much for your time thanks for having me big traders are big readers louise what are you reading this week I'm reading a book called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together by John Carlton. Yes, it is, isn't it? It's a winner. Now, this one, I got this one on Amazon. I followed John Carlton. He was friends with the Dean of Marketing when I studied marketing at university. So I've followed this man for a very long time. He's got nothing to do with trading, but the concepts that he describes, he may as well be describing trading. From his world, he's in the writer's world, so doing copy for advertisements and generally being one heck of a philosopher all of the concepts about managing to hold your head up high when people ridicule you and finding your place and working in the zone these are all good concepts for traders to follow so he could really just write an alternative version of this and saying getting your shit together in the markets and it would still work Caroline how are traders subjected to ridicule Oh, wow. We cop it sometimes until the money rolls in. Like later on, it's fine. I'll tell you about my uncle, who is an interesting character because he was a trader when I was trading. So way back when, um, in the early 90s, when I was starting to learn to trade. Now, he actually said to me, when I started to options trade full time, he said, it's a fool's game, Louise. I can't believe that you're going to do this. You are putting your future in jeopardy. And this is when I was just having to leave my job, go full time and hoping that my health would recover. And he really just sucked the wind out of my sails. It was quite a, a shock that a family member would say this. And really, one of the things that I've come to terms with is when the money starts rolling in, it's interesting the people that said these bad things to you, they pretend that they did not. <laughs> so if you actually went to my uncle now and talked to him about my career and my background with trading and how I've managed to support my family and how I've actually even managed to develop other traders to do the same thing and become full-time traders, he would tell you at a dinner party while he's wearing his tuxedo, that I am one of her biggest supporters. Now, that's just one example, but I can guarantee there will be somebody listening to this episode who feels exactly the same way. So if you're feeling vilified, if you feel that there's some troll there and you might even be related to them, just wait a few years. Suck it all up. And I've even developed the statement, you're probably right. 
to be able to say to anybody saying any garbage about any topic, I just say you're probably right and it does make them shut up. Say that you're probably right to that relative that is giving you a hard time and then you go out and prove them wrong. Go out and spread your wings and fly because that is really what it will take to get their attention. A lot of the time with traders, we don't realize our own power. We don't realize that we should be confident. We should be the ones who have the vision for the family and who pursue our goals because I think there aren't a lot of good trading role models. So as a trading role model, hopefully for other people in the markets, I really do find that a lot of my time is spent encouraging others. This book was pure pure encouragement for me. I just loved every bit of it. I read it incredibly quickly. I zoomed through it and then now I'm going back to reread chapters that I just adored. And really, even if you have a look, just as a bit of inside information on John Carlton, if you have a look on Amazon, you will see that he has had some awful reviews of this book by people who are trolling him right now. I Facebooked with him and I said, John, you know, you poor thing, this is terrible. And he said, you know what, just write a nice review on Amazon for me and it will really just combat the trolls. And I just think, hey, good for you. So I did, I wrote a lovely review for him. Gary Stone is the founder of Share Wealth Systems. He recently celebrated a 25 year anniversary in the markets. And he's the creator of Beyond Chart Software and the SPA3 trading program. He is a regular on Sky Business News and a contributor to ABC Radio, Switzer Daily, Fairfax Media and Your Trading Edge. We speak to Gary today about multi-strategy investing and how DYI investors can maximize their money across different asset classes. Gary Stone, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Uh, It's good to be on again, Caroline. Multi-strategy investing. Define multi-strategy for us. It comes down to diversification. When most people talk about or hear or read about diversification, it's presumed that diversification is diversifying horizontally across a market. So that is going into investing in more stocks and asset and different sectors within the stock. So going into consumer discretionary health, consumer staples, whatever it might be. But really, diversification should be done vertically. That is diversifying across strategies. That has been proven, and certainly not in the mainstream yet, but the people, boutique fund managers, people who research the markets, both from a technical, fundamental perspective, et cetera, et cetera, have now, for the last probably decade, have recognized that diversification across strategies is the way to achieve what you're trying to achieve by diversifying across a, a single class like equities. So when you say vertically, what do you mean by that? Well, vertically, I mean by having more than one process. So if you've got, say, a system or a strategy, and that strategy is to be long equities, then another strategy might be to add to that real estate. Uh, So now you've got real estate and equities, and and you could go a third strategy, which would be bonds. So now you're diversifying across certainly asset classes, but also strategies as well. Why is it so important for investors to do this? Well, it's all about risk tolerance and uh, people might think or might have heard the term risk profile, but risk profile really is about how much downside, how much you know, tracement you can have in, in your in your wealth and your portfolio equity curve, how much of you can go down and when it goes down, how much you can tolerate. So can you tolerate a 5, a 10, a 15, a 20, 30% uh, retracement? 
for example, in the United States, you know, properties on average retraced about 30 to 35 percent during 2008. Now that that's a huge retracement. You know, you're talking about a million dollar property losing, you know, three hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now, whilst that's not measured in the stock market, it's a lot more visual in terms of knowing to the cent how much your portfolio might be down. So the idea is to diversify across asset classes, uh, but more specifically across strategies to minimize that number, that drawdown. So if one asset class is falling, what you want is the other one to maybe be rising. So you want low correlation. And if you can achieve that, then you you can minimize the, the amount of drawdown that you have. So if you are a DYI investor, what sort of strategies would you recommend people pursue? Well, the, uh, the the obvious one everybody talks about is the low correlation is having a long strategy and a, and a short strategy. However, it's a lot more difficult to achieve than than that simple statement. So the major classes I would talk about being is cash and equities. So you're either if you've got a cash strategy that that when you're in you either are uh, minimising the amount of drawdown you have by having some exposure to cash. So somebody who is a lower tolerance for risk might have you know, 70% of their money in and then and this might be somebody who's, who's older who's, who can't withstand too much drawdown might have a large chunk in cash getting interest and percentage basis you know, could change from 20 to 30 to 50% and then have, have equities and then within equities you can have strategies that are that are longer term strategies that, that are less sensitive to exits and going into cash and you can have you know, short and medium term strategies as well um, so you can break those down to different systems, different processes, if you like, within that particular asset class. Realistically, how many strategies can a DYI investor manage simultaneously? Well, th- th- that, that's the $64 million question. <laughs> it comes down to how much capital they have, how much time they have. People like man investments with the AHL set of systems. You know, they have between 30 and 40 systems running simultaneously across leverage, foreign exchange, equities, futures, all that sort of stuff. And they're all mechanical systems. Now, you know, an individual would definitely not be able to manage that. But two, three, or four, you know, the moment you go to a second strategy, diversify to a second strategy, you're going to start flattening your equity curve and reducing you know, drawdown. You go to a third and a fourth, and that's probably as many as a private investor would be able to, to handle in the time they have available because obviously they've got other things they want to do in their life. Uh, that would probably be the limit. So talk us through, say, three or four different strategies. Okay, well, the way I deploy uh, my investing is with my stock market focused because I do have commercial and residential and property and other and business assets outside of you know, just my stock market investing. Oh. But within my stock market investing, I have uh, my focus is on a medium term strategy. And that medium-term strategy is, is called SPAR3, and I execute that on both the Australian market and the United States market. And on the NASDAQ in specific, not all equities, uh, they say equities have, have high correlation with each other, but if you look at the Australian market in the last uh, four and a half years, we're up about 5% compared to the NASDAQ being up 70%, the S&P 500 being up 55%, and the Dow being up 45%. So, sure, the correlation and direction is there, but the amplitude does change. Yeah. <laughs> so how would a DYI investor manage, say, two or three strategies simultaneously? 
you, you need to have tools. So the you need to have portfolio management tools to make this easy. You can't be relying on newsletters and newspapers and TV. You, you need to have portfolio management software. You need to, in my view, have technical analysis software, and you have to have some. Even if you're a fundamental analyst and and you you, know, you look at balance sheets and stuff like it, or a value investor, then you need to have some tools that can help you do your stock selection when you buy, when you sell. Managing your portfolio means that you are going to have some turnover in your trades. I saw a fantastic phrase yesterday I read in the paper where the, the, one of the fund managers was calling it fashion, fashion your portfolio. <laughs> How's the Australian Stock Exchange perform this year, do you think? Well, not very well relative to other markets. Uh, I just gave you that stat over the last mm-hmm. four and a half years from top uh, in April of 2010. We were up about uh, 5% or if you take the last day, maybe you can take out the percent off. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the NASDAQ is up 70% in that time. And in the Australian market, we're a resource-based market. And the yeah, 60% of our, of our stocks outside the top 150 are resource and energy stocks. If resource and energy sectors aren't doing well, then then our market battles to have any confidence and, and foundation of go-ahead. It just affects the psyche of the investors in Australia. Three pieces of advice for multi-strategy investing. Yeah, well, I would be looking at going forward from here, I'd be looking at bringing ETFs into one's investment plan, exchange-traded funds, long-term equities, and then a shorter or medium-term equity and uh, equities type strategy, and looking at uh, you know, over the years, over the last uh, research that's come to fore in the last you know, five, five or six years, shows that small caps over the long term do the best. Uh, sure, they're more volatile, but if you have, if you can put into place, deploy a strategy whereby you can manage your risk on the downside through having exits, then you really do need to have uh, some exposure to, to small caps either in the Australian market or internationally in the United States market. So I'd be saying ETFs and, and small caps. What do you like about ETFs? In fact, uh, after the last six months researching, continuing researching a strategy uh, for ETFs that I started in researching in 2009, I've just finished writing uh, the documentation for that, uh, having finished the research just recently. And what I like about ETFs is that they are far less volatile than equities, and, and it's far easier to be able to time them than to time equities, which means that having a low beta, having a low volatility, and having its timing strategies that can really have good statistics, you know, good, good edges, means you can leverage them. So, so you can actually achieve stock-like returns uh, and, and really beat indices, beat the S&P 500, beat managed funds quite handsomely but take far less risk because of the low volatility that you have in indices. You're not going to have a, an index, an ETF is not going to go to zero like a, like a Lehman's or a Babcock and Brown. It's, it's not going to have a 70, 80% fall. And if it does, you know, it's not going to happen in overnight. You're going to have exit strategies you can get out of, whereas in stocks, you can see what Santos has done. It's, you know, it's halved in, in, in the three weeks, I think it has. So you don't, that doesn't happen in indices, and if it does, your exit mechanisms can get you out. So the ETFs, you can focus on a handful rather than a whole market, have low volatility, and then leverage, and have timing systems that are far easier to, to implement than what you can for a market-wide equities-type strategy. Gary Stone, your knowledge is immense. Thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure, Caroline. And guys, if you want to check out more of Gary's work, please go to www.sharewellsystems.com. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week for legendary trader Peter L. Brandt from the USA and his lessons over 40 years of trading the markets. 
I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.